Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for that. That was wonderful. We appreciate the songs today as we draw to worship now through the Word. I'd like you to take your Bibles today to Mark chapter 10. We're continuing our series through the book of Mark, and uh, it's been a fascinating journey for me. I've loved studying the book of Mark. It's uh, been just driving some things home in my heart, and I hope it is yours as well. I've entitled this message today, Go By What You Hear. Go By What You Hear. Now, in Mark chapter 10, we're going to read the end of Act 2, which is on the way. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, and he's challenging his disciples to understand what it means for him to be crucified, and yet what it'll mean for them to be crucified, and to lay down their life and follow him in self-denial. That's the whole Act 2. So I want to read the final Act 2 portion here in Mark 10, verse 46 to the end of the chapter. Stand with me now as we read God's Word. Mark chapter 10, I'll read verses 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped, and he said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus, and answering him, said, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. You may be seated. God never does what's easy, he does what is divine. And when he does divine stuff, it is always, it is always complicated. It's complicated. I mean, why would God choose a a barren woman to birth a prophet? Why would God do that? Why would God choose a boy to kill a giant? Why would God choose a backslider? to preach to Nineveh? Why does God use a virgin to bring Jesus? Why does God use a 99-year-old man to bring Isaac? Why does God tell a man with a withered hand, stretch forth your hand? Why does God call a blind man to come to him when the blind man can't see him. Why does God go to a tomb and call out a dead man and tell him to get up and walk? God never does what is easy. And the truth of the matter is, that's how you know it's God. That's how you know it's God. If it's hard in your life, 
It's God. If it's difficult in your life, it's God. If it's frustrating you, it's God. It won't be easy. It'll certainly be complicated, but it'll be divine. That's how he works. And that's the story that I'm going to share with you today because it's a beautiful way to end this act two of the book of Mark. On the way is the key. On the road, some translations say, but it's on the way, the call to discipleship. And so I've outlined this message. I'm going to kind of jump right in. There are five ways you need to go as a true follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. There are five ways you need to go as a true follower and disciple of Christ. Number one, you need to go blind. This is probably my most important point. I'm going to kind of hit it early because I think it's really the context of what's happening here. The Bible says in verse 46, they came to Jericho. Now, Jericho was a, a stop-off town. It was, if you've, ever been, if you've ever had the chance to go to Jericho, it's not the Jericho of the Old Testament. It's a different Jericho. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful oasis. It's like a resort area in the Middle East. And it's absolutely beautiful to go to palm trees. It's an oasis. It's got all this water. Because everywhere else it's dry around it. But there it's a beautiful uh, city. And so people would come to Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. They'd stop off. They'd get their supplies. They'd get ready to make that dangerous trek on that road up to Jerusalem where a lot of robbers and thieves were. And so this was their last stop to get ready. Maybe gather a crowd around them so they would be safe on the journey. And so that's why Jesus is here as Jericho. He's on his final stop to Jerusalem. He's on the way in going to his destination. And he hears this blind man. The Bible says that on his way to Jericho, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I want you to focus on this word. It's probably the most important word in this section. It's the word he heard. The reason he heard is because he can't see. That's important. Because that's underlying the intent of this passage. He heard. He didn't have his eyes to see, but he knew it was Jesus. I want you to understand, even when you can't see your way clear, you have to go by what you hear. Here the man was blind, but he was not deaf. When one thing breaks down on you, you have got to learn in your life to use what's left. Because you don't need anything you lost to bless you. That's important to say. You don't, knew, you don't need anything you lost to bless you. God said, you don't need either eye, Bart. I'm just going to call him Bart. It makes it shorter for me. You don't need either eye, Bart. But you have to go by what you hear. You have to go by what you hear. That's, what you gotta be, that's why you've got to be careful in your life to who speaks into your ear. That's probably more important than anything else. 
Who is speaking into your ear? Be careful who speaks into your ear. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Doubt comes by hearing, but not by the Word of God. Fear comes by hearing, but not by the Word of God. So be careful who speaks into your ear, because we walk by faith and not by sight. If you could get that in your heart. So many Christians want to walk by sight and not by faith. But the truth of the matter is, I don't need my eyes to get me to Jesus. I need faith. I need faith. I don't need anything I lost to get me to Jesus. I didn't have to have a dad raise me. I don't have to have a mother who loves me. I don't have to have anything I lost to get me to Jesus. God said, I'm going to change what you see, but I'm going to do it by what you hear. That is so powerful if you could capture that. I'm going to do it by what you hear. Go by what you hear rather than crying about what you lost. Stop saying I can't get there because I didn't have someone to raise me. I didn't have so-and-so to love me. I don't have what it takes. Or I'm too old. Stop, stop listening to those voices and listen to his voice because you've got to go by what you hear from him. Not what you've gone through your whole life to hear. Now, some of you, I understand. I get this. You may have to go differently than others. You may have to go slower. Then others go. You may have to stumble a few times along the way. But you got to go by what you hear. And that's an important thing to carry to you right now because some of you have to sometimes cry yourself to sleep and you got to keep going by what you hear. But that's the important point I want to start with. Go blind. Go blind. Okay, number two, go determined. Go determined. The Bible says in verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Go determined. I love the spirit of this guy. He's blind, and he knew he was blind, and the one passion he had in his life was to end the impenetrable darkness that he lived with his whole life. He wanted to do whatever he could to get rid of that darkness. He groped about in darkness. He was in danger half the time. I mean, he was on his own. He depended on others to try to get him to the edge of the city so he could beg. They didn't have Braille back then. You don't read Braille back then. There's no guide dogs. There's no electric stick, walking stick, to kind of keep him and warn him of dangerous things ahead of him. And so here we have a true portrait of a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's how you got to see this section, all right? He's ragged, he's poor, and he's blind. Ragged, poor, and blind. 
And, and if you capture this in your heart, you'll understand this, that all of us are beggars before a holy God. All of us are beggars before a holy God. I think one of the huge stumbling blocks for the unsaved to come to Christ is they'll never see themselves as a beggar. They'll never see themselves in need of the mercy of God. They'll see themselves as, I'm pretty good. I'm not so bad. But until you really see yourself as a beggar, a, a, an unsaved person will never come to God. It's an amazing thing. And, and I think sometimes one of the greatest stumbling blocks for Christians is very similar, but it's a little different, and that is this, the stumbling block for the Christians is that they, they see themselves as so capable. I don't really see myself still blind and needy of Jesus Christ. I can kind of do it on my own. Now, how do you know if you're doing that or not? How much time did you pray today? How much time did you pray yesterday? How much time did you have a passion for the Word? See, you, 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 you are so capable to handle your life without Jesus. And that's one of our greatest stumbling blocks is we don't really continue to see ourselves as in need of God. We like to think of ourselves as capable. But this blind beggar knows he's desperate. And because he knows he's desperate, he's determined to get to Jesus. In all the commotion, he said, what's the commotion going on? And they said, Jesus of Nazarene is here. And that he sees as his one chance, and he calls out and he cries, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Cries out. And then the crowd listens to him cry out over and over, and they're like, shush. Now, that's probably a lot stronger than shush, but I don't want any emails this week to my uh, email, okay? So I'm not going to go any stronger there. Be quiet. Pipe down. I may make it rain if you don't listen, all right? <laughs> he cries out the more. He cries out the more. I love this about this guy. He cries out the more. He says, you're not going to stop me. This is my one chance. Sometimes you only get one chance. One chance. Sometimes the Spirit just works, and you get one chance. He wasn't going to lose it. Now I want to make some applications here. First of all, I want to make a theological application, all right? He says, son of David. All right? The only time the word son of David is used in the whole book of Mark is by this blind guy. Now Matthew, he uses this word all the time, son of David, son of David. But never Mark. Mark only uses it one time on the road to Jerusalem. It's the messianic title for Jesus Christ. The long promise delivered from the son of David. He comes out of the son of David and yet at the same time, he's the Lord of David. He's the Lord of David. But as the Messiah... The Messiah must be a suffering Messiah because David suffered, so the son of David must suffer. And so he's the only guy, he's the only guy in the scriptures that gets it. It's amazing to me that he would recognize the kingship of David through suffering. So three times Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, they're going to mock me, they're going to spit on me, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise from the dead. They didn't get it. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise from the dead. They didn't get it. I'm going to die. 
I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to rise from the dead. Three times he told them on the way, and they didn't get it. They didn't get it. Isn't that amazing? You know why they didn't get it? Because all they could think about is, I want to be number two. I want to be number three. Jesus, can we be number two and number three? The reason they didn't get it is they were so focused on the glory they could get versus the suffering they didn't want. See, most of us are like that. God, just get this suffering out of my life. And yet at the same time, Jesus said there's no glory before the suffering. And so they were asking for the suffering to go, Lord, Lord, can we be number two? Can we be number three? And yet they never quite got that. They couldn't see it. But the blind man sees it. The blind man sees it. It's an amazing thing. The blind man can see what they cannot see, that they, he understands, son of David, you must suffer before you're exalted. Let me give you another application here. I call it the church, I don't know what to call it, but I call it the church body application. I feel like I should be building an ark right now. That's how I feel. I should be building an ark somewhere. <laughs> Any minute, folks, you better get on that ark. <laughs> if the place collapses, every man for himself. Okay. If this is your church home, okay, if this is your church home and you've joined here, let's never be that crowd that shushes people, tells them to be quiet, tells them not to speak up, Let's never be that crown. They, they were determined to shut Bart up. Shut up, Bart. I just would say this. Forgive us, Lord, if we ever tell someone to be quiet. Let's never say shh when people's backs are up against the wall and they're crying out. Let me tell you something. It's uncomfortable. And to move into the messiness of people's lives on my street, in my little village, is messy. And the best way to move into someone's life is through their pain. Because somewhere they leak that out in their conversations. It comes out. And what you want to do is you want to use the pain. You're not going to be able to fix their problem. What you are going to be able to do is point them to the one who can fix their problem, Jesus. And so you really want a spirit that is in them, that you're trying to draw out of them. And so I think moving people toward God and watching God work in their life and open their eyes, I'm, I'm telling you, it is one of the greatest thrills as a child of God is to see someone, the lights go off, and their eyes are open like Bartimaeus, and they see their sin, and they see their need of God, and they cry out for mercy. It's, it's probably one of the most beautiful things to watch. See him go from death to life. I was thinking about many of the people that I've led to the Lord over my lifetime, and the first one that came to my mind was the first person I led to the Lord. I was 13 years of age. I'd been saved for three months, and I knew I needed to share the gospel with people. And at 13 years of age, I went to a Christian camp and became a counselor of eight-year-olds. And I had this opportunity on an evening when the uh, speaker was speaking, 
one of the boys in my cabin raised his hand. His name was Billy. I don't remember his last name, but it was Billy. And he raised his hand to be saved. And the, and the guy speaking looked at me and said, well, that's your cabin. Take him out and lead him to the Lord. I was terrified. This is the first person. I, I, I pulled out my notes. All I had was ABC. All have sinned. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sin. I said, Billy, have you confessed your sin? Yes. <laughs> I'm all scared of my guess. And I said, do you believe the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sin? Yes. Do you want to accept him as your Savior? Yes. I said, let's pray. And I prayed there right with Billy. Eight years of age. I was 13 years of age. It was a thrill for me to watch that little boy go from death to life. Now, I wish I would have got his last name. I wish I would have wrote it down because I wish I could have followed up with him. But I just think about that experience of taking someone from death to life. And one day, I'm going to meet that kid in eternity. That, to me, is a thrill. Now, let me tell you the second part of this, okay? It's not only moving into the messiness of people to point them to Christ, but even if you wade into their messiness, which I found to be true, many times I'll wade into their messiness. And I'll realize as I get into their messiness, they can't quite connect the dots about Jesus, and they don't want to get saved. Let me tell you something. If a person does that with you, I'm telling you there is still a great reward for you. Number one, the one that I want to express to you is you were faithful. You were faithful to share, and that in itself is a reward. Okay? Number two, not only were you faithful, but I don't know how to describe this except that sometimes I feel convicted about the fact that they couldn't see, but I can. They couldn't see their need of a Savior, but I could. And so as they rejected Christ, I, was, I am so many times aware that, God, I'm so grateful you opened my eyes to see you. And so that's the two things I see is one is the faithfulness. I get the reward of faithfulness, but, but the, the gratefulness, the gratitude that swells in my heart to know, why me? Why did you pick me? Why did you open my eyes? It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, that was the church application. The personal application. When we cry out to Jesus for help, there seems to be obstacles that get in our way. I have found this to be true. He cries out. He's determined to get to Jesus. He's determined to have the audience of Jesus, but they shush him. When you make a determination in your heart, I promise you this, and you say, I'm going to get to Jesus with this, there'll be obstacles. It, it may be a family member. It could be a co-worker. It can be a spouse. It can be a parent. It, it, there's, there's all types of ways that obstacles will come into your life. Uh, even our culture itself is going to try to keep you from that. But when we cry out, it's not always encouraging. Because there's some obstacle that comes up. And when they did that to the blind man, you know what he did? He cranked it up. He cranked it up a volume. He didn't care about the obstacle. He said, I'm getting to Jesus with this. I am getting to Jesus with this. I'm blind. I want to see. This is my one chance, and I am not going to miss it. And so uh, here's what I'm asking you, okay? Is there something you are looking for from Jesus? Right now, do you have something going on in your life, in your heart, that you're looking for from Jesus? Remember, there'll be obstacles that'll come against you, 
But when you have this persistency inside of you that says, I'm taking this to Jesus. I got something, maybe you got something heavy right now on your heart. You say, I'm taking this to Jesus. Nothing's going to stop me. Not the crowd. No, no, nothing's going to stop me. I am going to get to Jesus. And that, now that's exactly what this man did. We need to be persistent. Now, it's easy for me to tell you to be persistent. Uh, you come and say, hey, well, how long have you been praying about it? Well, I've been praying about it all week. Well, man, what do you think God is? A candy store? You've got to pray more than a week. But then when i got something going on in my life, <laughs> I'm not so hard on myself. I'm, I'm like, come on, God. How long do i got to go with this thing? A lady just came up to me after the service here. Her boy had been on drugs for 27 years. Well, I shouldn't say all 27. I don't think he was when he was one. But he got on drugs, and he couldn't get off drugs. Lives in Conover. She came up today, and she hugged me about the persistency. She said, I prayed for years for my boy to get off drugs. He was brought back on Narcon, back, brought back to life three times. Three times she thought she was going to lose her boy. She said, I never gave up. He's running a rehab today in Conover. That's incredible. It's incredible. Just that persistency. When Bart was opposed by the crowd, he raised his voice more. Listen, you got something you need to get to Jesus with? That's the kind of spirit you got to come with, okay? So those are the applications. Let me go to number three. Go expectantly. Go expectantly. Now, I like, I like this point. Okay, let me have you see this, okay? He said to him, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. Now, this, this is a great point here. You see that word, Jesus stopped. That word is not used in the book of Mark either. So anytime a word's only used one time, you want to just stop and look at it, okay? So Jesus stopped. Now, why is that so important? Because the other week I told you that when Jesus was going to Jerusalem on the way, he set his face to Jerusalem. He got ahead of his disciples and said, come on, keep up, keep up, I'm going to Jerusalem. He was resolute, he was determined, he wasn't going to turn to the right or to the left, but he just said, I'm going to Jerusalem. So here he is leaving Jericho, he is resolute, and in the background he hears this, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me! Son of David, Son of David. There he is. He's going to Jerusalem. He's set. And all of a sudden, he hears this man in the distance crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He gets louder. And he gets louder and louder. And he stops. He stops. He's no longer going to Jerusalem. He's no longer going to be your ransom. He's no longer going to please the Father by set, setting his course to say, I'm not turning away. All of a sudden, in the middle of his intensity to set his face to Jerusalem, he stops. Looks at his disciples and says, Who's that man screaming at me? Who's that man screaming at me? Son of David, have mercy on me. 
Who's that man that recognizes, of all the people I've met, who's that man who recognizes who I am and he needs me? What does Jesus stop for? The cry of a beggar. The cry of a beggar. That's who Jesus stops for. He stops for the person that cries out to him like a beggar and says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I know who you are, and I need your mercy. That's the persistency of a beggar that Jesus is calling us to. Now, let me give you the application, okay? So you can, I think you can see it, but let me say it to you, okay? Jesus will always stop for you. Millions of Christians, and I'd say Jesus is pretty busy right now, but he will always stop for you. He'll stop for you. He will always stop for the cry of a beggar who needs him. He always has time. So they tell Bart, they say, hey, Jesus is calling you. You better get up. And Bart thinks to himself, wait a minute, I've been calling on him. Now I want you to hear this theologically. I've been calling on him. But now Jesus is calling on the blind man. It's one thing for us to call out to Jesus, okay? But it's something else when he calls us. We call out because we're blind, we're desperate, we need help. Okay, that's why we call out. But when Jesus calls out, that's where our redemption is. That's where our redemption is. We call out because we have a need. Jesus calls out because he's calling us to redemption. It's a beautiful thing to think about, and I want you to get that in your heart. What is stopping you from calling on him? Son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. What is stopping you? Listen, there were tons of other people around. Not one of them, not one of them cared to call out for Jesus. There's a lot of people in this room right now. But only, only a few sense he is present right here. And he's calling. And you're calling on him. You say, Jesus, here's my need. I got something I need to bring to you. It's heavy on my heart. It's a beautiful picture. Jesus is here right now. I believe that with all my heart. His spirit is present. If you, got, if you call on him, I believe he's got time for you. He's got time for you. So the question is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? All right, number four, go immediately. Go immediately. What does he do? The Bible says, verse 50, he throws aside his cloak. He jumps up and he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. I love that. Just the immediacy of this. The minute he knows Jesus is calling you, he jumps up. And what does he do? He throws off his old raggedy garment. I mean, listen to, listen to this guy. This is all he's got. He's got an old raggedy outer garment. And he throws that off and he casts it aside and says, man, I've got to get to Jesus. He's blind. He's just going to have to listen for what he hears. But here he goes. He's off to Jesus. I love that. It's just a beautiful picture of what God is doing in this man's life. And this man 
is just a beautiful picture for us. He's laying aside everything he's got. This is all his worldly goods. He's got an outer garment. He begs. He says, he's got nothing. He's got an outer garment. He throws it down. He jumps up and he says, I'm going to Jesus. Who should you compare that to? Well, in the book of Mark, you should compare that to the rich man. He comes to Jesus and he begs him to have eternal life. But he won't cast aside anything. He won't drop his goods. He won't drop his money. He won't drop his property. He won't drop anything. The blind man, man, you can have anything this world's got. Because see, when, when you get a taste of Jesus, it's, it's an incredible thing. Something happens in your heart that you'll lay aside anything. And all these worldly goods don't mean anything to you. But if the world means a lot to you, you've got to hang on to your stuff. Got to hang on to my stuff. It's just a beautiful contrast in pictures between the two. And so you've got to go immediately. Get up. Okay? Number five, you've got to go all in. You've got to go all in. And answering, Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And the blind man said, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said, go. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Now what I want you to notice here in this text is the phrase, Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Now if your mind is thinking and you followed this series any, he used that line before, what do you want me to do? And you should remember it because the writer is trying to draw you back to that other incident. And that was back in verse 36 where the two disciples, James and John, came to him and said, do whatever we ask. And Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do? Two disciples, what do you want me to do? Blind man, what do you want me to do? Okay, you should see the parallel there. And I want you to pick up on that. So what do you want me to do? James and John, want me number two and want me number three. Glory, baby. We want the glory. We want the ball with three seconds left and we want to shoot it. We want the glory. We want to climb the ladder. We want to get as much money as we can and we want to can it all. We want the glory, baby. Number two, number three. What do you think, Jesus? The blind man? Just let me see. Just, just open my eyes. I don't need status. I don't need number two. I don't need to be number three. I don't even need to be 300. Just let me see. It's such a beautiful picture of the difference between why they don't get it and they don't see, and he sees. So that, he says Rabboni. I want to bring this out too. Rabboni is the only time it's used in Mark. Mark is famous for only using words one time so you capture them. Rabboni, that is the word that is only used one other time in the Bible. John chapter 20, verse 15, uh, verse 16, where Mary Magdalene sees the resurrected Christ and she realizes he's risen from the dead and she says Rabboni. It means literally in our language, my Lord and my God. The only guy to cry out and call Jesus, my Lord and my God, on the road is Bartimaeus. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God, let me see. Let me see I'm blind. 
All I want is to see. All I want is you to open my eyes. And Jesus said, go, man. Your faith in me. It wasn't some kind of energy force inside of Bartimaeus. You know, he's got an energy force just to have enough faith. No, no. Your faith in me is what he's saying. Your faith in me has given you your sight. Go. You're free to go. You got your sight. And immediately the Bible says he's able to see. And what's the first thing he sees? Jesus. Jesus. Now, a lot of people think when you die, the first thing you're going to see is the two angels carrying you up into glory. I don't know about that. My gut would be to be absent from the body is present the Lord. I think the first person you see is Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus appears before him, and the Bible says he follows him. Now, what Jesus said to him was, go your way. He said, go. Go wherever you want to go. What this man says is, I'm going with you. Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going. Where are you going, Jesus? I'm going to a cross. I'm going to your death, too. Wherever you're going, I'm going with you. See, that's, that's why he's a true portrait of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because if you're going there, I'm going there. If they're going to put you on the cross, I've got a feeling they're going to put my flesh on the cross one day. And I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to put it all on the line for you. Jesus, I'm bringing it to you, but I want you to know whatever it takes to follow you, that's what I'm going to do. That's the true disciple of Jesus Christ, and I think that's a beautiful picture that we need to enter into today for each of our lives. Let's pray. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the praise team's going to come lead us in this last song. And maybe in your heart right now, you know something isn't right. Maybe you know you need to get out of your sinful condition and confess your sin and follow Him. My prayer for you right now is that Jesus would open your eyes. Just say to Him, I, I want to see. Help me to see myself in my sinful condition. I'm poor, I'm blind, I'm ragged. But you, Jesus, you can save me. Have mercy on me. Just cry out to God right now. God, have mercy on me. I need you. Jesus, open my eyes. You're here, you're a child of God. I want you to know Jesus will always stop for you. He will stop for you. So I ask you this morning, is there something you're looking for from Jesus? I'm not asking the whole crowd to come. I'm asking you to come if there's something you're looking for from Jesus. Something in your heart right now that you're looking for from Jesus. Something that you have been persistent about. Something that you have brought before him. I want to invite you to come again. I want you to come. I just want you to lay it at the altar and say, God, God, here I am. I'm on the road with you. And I want to bring this to you. Son of God. 
son of David, have mercy on me. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. And I want to open this altar. If there's something that you need to persist in, something that you need to bring, you want to come, just come right now. Just come right now. Put it at, put it at this altar and say, God, I've got something I'm looking for from you. And I'm bringing it today. Maybe you're here today. You got off the sideway. You got on the road with Jesus. And something distracted you and you got off the road. And now Jesus is calling you. He's saying, come on, child, come back. Come back, get on the road. Get on the road. You got pulled away. You got pulled off track. I, I want you to come back. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. I want you to come. Just lay it here. Just lay it here. Just open before God. The whole crowd doesn't need to come. Just you do. Just you do. The Spirit, the Spirit is speaking. Father, speak. Spirit, speak. Jesus, speak. I lift it up to you right now. I pray it over these that are at the altar even now. Those that will even come that the Spirit's speaking to. Oh, son of David. mercy on me. What do you need to bring to Jesus? Father, we thank you for your time. We thank you for this opportunity to look into your word, to have you speak. So we got to go by what you hear, what we hear. Help us to do that now. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The praise team is going to sing. There's still time to come. You can come during this song. We'd love for you to. But let's enter in and worship together.